You had a card when you came in in your, uh, in your seat. Did everybody have a card? We're not going to raffle anything, and there's no door prizes. It's just, though, uh, to illustrate something, because I don't watch this on television, but I, I see it when I'm flipping through channels. There's like a poker show on, on ESPN. There's the World Series of Poker and that kind of thing, and they deal cards, right? So I brought some cards today, and I don't watch it often. I don't watch it much, but what I have noticed the few moments I've watched is that Everybody is dealt a hand, and you can't change the hand you're dealt. And it doesn't do any good to complain about the hand you're dealt. I've never seen any of them say, they do this, because it's kind of funny. They kind of look at them like this, and then they go, I've never seen any of them go, "Mm, I don't like those two. Can I have two more? I don't like these two. I'd like some more. Because in that particular game, you have to play the cards you're dealt. Now, I play a game called Rook. At our girls play. We play. Does anybody play Rook? Anybody, anybody play Rook? Um, I just want you to know, don't play with me because I will kill you at Rook. I love me some Rook. All right. And it's the same principle. You get a hand and you play the hand you're dealt. And it doesn't do any good to complain. Although we complain. This is the worst hand I've ever seen. I don't complain, but my daughters. Uh, uh, I can't believe this hand is so bad. And you'll hear that sometimes. And Here's the thing about complaining and making excuses. I love, this is, um, Franklin said, he that it's good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And we can complain, and you can complain about the hand you're dealt, and it really doesn't matter. Because in life, you have talents and gifts and abilities, and your hand is the hand God chose you to have, and today we're going to talk about that. Today we're going to be in Matthew Chapter 25. Let me set it up for you just a little bit. It's toward the end of Jesus' life. It's toward the end of his ministry. He's about, in fact, in Matthew 26, they plot to arrest him and kill him. And so it's right before that. And he's talking about leaving them. Uh, He's hanging out with his disciples. And they ask a question like, what's it going to be like, the kingdom of heaven? What's it like? Because you, you have to understand, all this stuff is contextual, right? When you read the Bible... It's not written in a vacuum. There's a context to what you read. Okay, so you have Israel, and the Jewish people live in Israel, and they are occupied by another nation, the Romans, and the Romans are oppressive, and they, and they institute high taxes. And you, as an Israelite, don't have a lot of rights. And we, as Americans, we sort of take for granted the fact that we have rights, but not the Israelites, because they lived in an oppressive, oppressed country, And they had an oppressive uh, regime dictator that was above them, the pharaoh, not the pharaoh, the uh, emperor, could do anything he wanted to do. He was kind of like God. In fact, they began to worship the emperor as God. And so, Jesus' disciples are looking for something better. Basically, if if we could interpret it maybe this way, I I don't mean to be crude, but I think they would say, Jesus, we haven't been dealt a very good hand. I mean, we're Jewish, and the Bible says that we're God's chosen people, but we don't feel very chosen because things aren't going the way we think they ought to go. So what is the kingdom of heaven going to be like? And throughout Scripture and throughout the teaching of Christ, he teaches his disciples some principles about their obligation, their responsibility. We're kind of ending a series about responsibility. And and Jesus said this. 
He said, when someone's been given much, much will be required. If you have a great hand, you really should play that hand really well. You can't just sit on the hand. You've got to play the hand. If you've been given much, much is required. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. If you've been dealt a really, really good, strong, good hand, you are responsible to do something with it. Now, here's the deal. In life, life isn't fair. So we should just understand, I might not have gotten the best hand. I looked at my hand a minute ago. It's really not good. A 7, an 8, a 9, a 10, and a 5. That mean, you know what that means? You lose. Uh, that's, what, that's what that means. It's not a good hand. It's close to being a good hand, but it's not a good hand. Now, I, I'm, uh, I'm not young. It goes without saying. I understand. When I was in elementary school, so right at the turn of the century, um, we played a game at my school called, what do you all call this? Yeah, because you're chumps. We called it Battle Ball because we wasn't playing. I mean, we called it Battle Ball. You know what Battle Ball means? It is survival of the fittest. Kill or be killed. We would line all the outside. There was no, uh, you can't be on the side. You just can throw for it. No, we, everybody was throwing the ball. The balls were coming from all over. You hit on a swivel. I loved Battle Ball. I, I was great at Battle Ball. You don't want to know why? Because I can throw the ball at about 112 miles an hour. I had a major league career and just didn't go for it. But I mean, I'm telling you, I could throw the battle ball. We, it was so much fun. Now, there was one guy better than me. One guy. Ernie Johnson. I, I like Ernie. I still, I know Ernie. Ernie's a great guy. Ernie, you might be listening. You, you're my buddy. I appreciate you. But I never wanted to be on Ernie's team. And here's why. I kind of want to, if I win, if we won at Battle Ball, I, I wanted to know, by the way, the best throw in Battle Ball is when a kid is, he jumps to dodge it and you hit his feet and he falls. That's magic. That is magic, man. Or you hit him in the face. Also magic. I mean, two magic moments in Battle Ball. Anyway, whenever we were picking up teams, I never wanted to be on Ernie's team because I wanted, if I won, if our team won, I wanted it to be against the best because that's when you're challenged and you have to really produce. If Ernie and I were on the same team, it was, we were going to win because there was nobody close to us. He was a little better, but he didn't always win. And here's the point. In life, you may not have the best hand, but let's face it. We all have a pretty good hand. We live in America. We have freedoms. There are people with a lot worse hands than ours. And so we have to understand something. We've been dealt a pretty good hand. And, and there are some responsibilities that go with this hand. So Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And they say, what's it going to be like when you come into your kingdom? What's the kingdom of God going to look like? And so th this is what they ask. When will this happen, and, and what will be the sign of your coming into your kingdom? We, we're really eager for this, because we really don't like what we've, what we've got going on here. We do not like the hand that we've been dealt. We're oppressed, we're overtaxed, there are Romans around, and we never know what they're going to do to us, and there's a lot of turmoil, and we don't like the political landscape that we live in, and I don't know if I can give an amen for that, but... Uh, we don't like it here. And so Jesus 
starts to tell them about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And we're going to learn some principles from this. So let's just start. Because we've been dealt a pretty good hand, we have a responsibility. Let's talk about it. First thing is, what we have is not our own. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Super important that we understand something. What we have is not because of anything that we have done. Now, you might say, well, I worked for my education. Yes, I, I, you worked. I, I'm, way to go. Good on you. You know, way to go. But your abilities to work to get a great education, those opportunities that came up for you to get these things, all of those are gifts from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. And it's, this, is, this kind of changes the way you think about life when you remember my health is a gift from God, my family is a gift from God, my abilities are a gift from God, my job is a gift from God, my church is a gift from God. All these things are gifts from God. And our master, he delegates, this is yours, I entrust you this, because this is what happens in that day, just, just like in our day. If I want to go on vacation, I stop the mail, um, I will have somebody come by in case, you know, they drop packages off at the door now, they don't knock or anything, and so if, you know, if there's a pile of packages, people are going to know you're not there, so we have somebody come and make sure nobody's left any packages on the front door, front stoop. Uh, we, we do these things, we make preparation. And so the master, in this case, Jesus is telling this story, and he says, hey, there's a guy, and he has possessions, and he entrusts them to his people. They're going to take care of stuff for him. And the Bible throughout teaches us everything is God's. There's another verse that says this, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, and we are God's possession, and he has rights, and we have responsibility. Every day that we wake up, every breath that we take is a gift from God. And the older I get, the more, <laughs> maybe the more I, 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 I get it. Um, this is all a gift. And because it's a gift, I need to treat it with some great responsibility. So number one, everything you have and everything I have and everything we have, these are all gifts from God that he has entrusted to us. And the second thing is this. He gives us what we can handle. Look at what it says in the next verse. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to one one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. This was common, by the way, in that era. You'd have a guy, he would have great wealth, and he would leave his possessions to his servants. And there was a there was an implication that you, if you were if you were stewarding the master's stuff, you would increase it. You would do better with it, right? You you would make it better. Now, um, just so you know about the bags of gold, how much this would have been back in that era. Uh, Scholars believe it's about, um, it's about 20 years' wage. So in our, let's just use economy, our economy. If you make $10 an hour, 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, this would take you, at, at 20, 20 years, that would be about uh, $400,000. You can do the math. You can get on your phone if you want to, but it's $400,000. All right, so five bags of gold would be $2 million. Two bags of gold would be $800,000. One bag of gold would be $400,000. Um, 
one bag of gold is about what it costs to get a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Uh, so, uh, j just so you know, a lot of me. All right, so, by the way, this guy's cup of coffee cost him $148.99 at Starbucks. It's the most expensive cup of coffee ever uh, at Starbucks. And I know some of you are going to be you're thinking right now, I could take that. I could, I could win. I could beat that. And you should. You should give that a go. But Because uh, you've got to have a purpose in life. All right, so let's go back to our verse. He gave one, five, one, one guy two bags and one guy one bag, each according to his ability. You, you've been given what you've given. And by the way, one bag of gold, it's not like it's chump change. We might look at ourselves and we might say, oh, I'm just a one bag of gold kind of guy. It's hard to say that and not think of yourself as pretty, that's still pretty good. I'm still, I'm still a one bag of gold kind of guy. It's not like I'm a one bag of dirt kind of guy. I mean, it's a one bag of gold, that's pretty good. Even the worst guy got pretty good, it's pretty good. I mean, one bag of gold, that's, that's nothing to sneeze about. And here's something we have to understand. God's kingdom, uh, his kingdom purposes don't operate according to what's fair, but according to what's best. And God knows what you can handle. And so, in my, in my case, many years ago, God looked down and he said, I need somebody that can handle four daughters. Because that is really hard. Have you, have you been around women? Uh, four daughters. And, and he's looking around, and he can't find anybody in South Carolina. And uh, uh, he, he sees this, this guy in Kentucky, and it's like, I don't think he can do it, but his wife is really good. So uh, uh, I think she can handle it, and he can just be there. And so, uh, so he entrusted you know, my family with four brilliant, uh, bright independent women at our house and this is what we could handle and I'm, I'm thankful for it I mean good grief the opportunity to be around brilliance is a great thing and I have that opportunity often so what we have isn't our own God gives it to us and we've been given what we can handle and that's okay. we should be okay with that this I'm okay with that this I'm okay this, this is what I can handle. We, when we were in uh, Salt Lake City, there was a, a family there who had six daughters. And I just hugged him, bless his heart. I patted him. I shook my head and I said, good on you, man. Uh, better you than me, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it's, we, we are given what God knows we can handle. And it comes back to trust. Do I trust that God knows what he's doing? I, I do. I think we should. The third thing is this. We're dealt a certain hand. We, we play this hand. We can complain all day long. We play the hand we're dealt. So, look what it says. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one who had two bags of gold, he earned two more. Didn't waste any time. He did it immediately. This is urgent. This is something that we should understand. Okay, let's say here you are today, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit convicts you and you say, man, I've been complaining about the hand I've been dealt rather than playing the hand I've been dealt. Well, here's the good news. I'm going to give you great news today. These guys went immediately. You can go immediately. 
Like, you can start now. You, you might say, you know, I haven't been doing everything I could with what I've got. I, I've, I've been a little lazy. I've been a little whiny. I thought, I, I look at my neighbors, or I look at my friends, or I look at my coworkers, and they seem to have a better hand than me. And so I, I didn't get a good hand, so I'm just not going to do much of anything. I'm not going to play the hand that's dealt. These guys went immediately. They had, they had an opportunity. They saw the opportunity. And you have an opportunity as well. Maybe you don't have as good a hand as somebody else. Look, we look at five bag of gold people. You know who they are. They're beautiful. They, they attend the right schools. They marry the right people. I mean, it, it's just we know them. We don't even like them. Because they've got everything. Listen. <clears throat> You know what I'm talking about. We get jealous of this stuff. We don't need to get jealous of this stuff. You've got a hand, and God wants you to play the hand you're dealt. Because this is a great quote. The man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole. Did I miss one? I didn't. Uh, all right, let me read this quote. Evidently, I didn't put it up. Hold on, let me see. Oh, there it is. I have to go back. Um, made a mistake. Can we edit that out? Uh, editing's great. Thank you. Okay. Put them in... Um, I'd like to blame this on somebody, but I do the PowerPoint, so it's on me. Um, our talents are the gift that God brings us, gives us, and we make, uh, what we make of our talents is what God, we give back to God. God gives us talent, that's his gift to us. What we do with the talents that God has given us, that's our gift to him. And when I work hard, and when I do everything that I'm called to do, and when I play the hand the very, very best I can, this is a gift I give back to God. All right, so the story kind of takes a little bit of a negative turn. But the man who had received one bag went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. Now, you see the difference. The guys with lots and lots, you know, five bags and two bags, they went and they did something with what they had been given. They played the hand that they'd been dealt. The other guy hid it in the dirt. Now, this is a, it was a common practice. If you didn't want anything to happen to it, you should hide it. So he hid it, which brings us to the next point. There's a day of accountability coming. Look what it says, next verse. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Okay. I've never been audited by the IRS, and if I go to my grave and never having been audited, I'd be okay with that. I don't have anything to hide particularly. I just, just the notion of it is a little bit intimidating because it's just, it just is. It's kind of how it works. Here's something we need to get our minds around. Someday, we give an accounting for our life. Let me show you a verse. All of us will have to give an accounting of ourselves to God. There's going to be a day where we stand before our judge and he judges our lives. It, it's going to happen. <laughs> it, it's not optional. You can't do a survey and say, I'd really like not to do that because this is going to happen. And when I begin, when you begin to understand, someday I'm going to give an accounting, and then it kind of gives us some advice here in Romans. So let's stop criticizing each other, because here's the deal. 
how does that help? They've got to give an accounting too. And, and he's got to give an accounting too. And we've all got to give an accounting to God someday. And instead of getting mad at people who are just horrible people, what we should do is feel pity and sympathy. We should say, oh my word, someday they have to give an accounting to God. Oh man, man, that's not going to be good for them. You know, Stop criticizing each other. Instead, you should decide never to do anything that would make other Christians have doubts or lose their faith. We are to be encouraging to one another because one day we have to give an accounting. And when this kind of clicked for me, I don't know, a few years ago, I have to give an accounting someday, it helps me answer some questions. Like when I have decisions to make. When I have a decision to make, I can say, is this decision, when I give an accounting of my life someday to the judge, will I be okay with this decision? Will I be, can I defend this in front of the judge? Judge, <laughs> this is why I did this. Is this decision, is it going to be good when I talk to the judge about my life, when I have to give an accounting? When, when I use my money, when I use this money, Am I going to be okay? Can I defend this decision in front of the judge? Because someday I have to defend this decision in front of the judge. And, and when I have an opportunity to serve somebody but I choose not to, is that going to be okay with the judge? Or should I take those opportunities? Because here's what happens. God provides these opportunities. In, in Matthew 25, if you read on, Jesus talks about people who... He separates the geek. Uh, the sheep from the goats, or the geek from the shoats, which are the sheep from the goats. And he separates them, and it puts the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. And then he kind of goes through, um, the, the sheep kind of don't even know they're sheep. Why, why are we getting in, is basically what they say. And Jesus is like, well, here's the deal. You, you saw me in need, and you served me. And I was in jail, and you visited me, and I needed clothes, and you clothed me, and I needed food, and you fed me. You saw a need and you met the need. And when you did it for the least of these, you're doing it unto me. When, when I serve others, I serve God. Super important to remember this. And God gives us these opportunities all the time to serve. It's a funny thing. If you look for it, you find it. You might say, well, I don't, I don't have opportunities to serve. You probably do. You just miss them. Because unless you're looking for them, you'll miss them. I mean, the other day I was at a store, <laughs> and this lady was kind of reaching for something up ta- really tall. And I said, do you, do you want me to get that for you? You know, can I get that? Because you're short. You know, you know uh, you're kind of puny, and it's fun watching you, but, you know, I'll get it for you. You know, and it was, it was Miriam, and uh, it was great. <laughs> She said, yes, uh, you know, I can help you. These opportunities are everywhere. They're everywhere if you're looking for them. And so when when Jesus spells this out, and then the goats are like, hey, dude, why are we not cheap? Jesus kind of goes through the same litany. Well, I was... I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I, needed, I was in prison and you didn't visit me. Uh, I needed food and you didn't feed me. And they were like, well, when, when did that happen? And Jesus says the same thing. When you didn't do it unto the least of these, it's just like not doing it unto me. When we realize we have to give an accounting for our lives, 
that to me is a game changer. It's been a game changer for me. Someday, and I don't do this perfectly, I don't mean it that way, but when we run our decisions through this filter, am I going to be able to defend this before the judge someday? It's really helpful, super helpful. Let's go on with the story. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. What Now, you talk about that's a good accounting, right? I had five, now I have ten. What do you think? And he tells him what he thinks. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And who doesn't like the notion of sharing the master's happiness? And then the guy with two bags came and said the same thing. You entrusted me with two, and I have gained two more. And his master replied, whoops. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And here is the point. What we do with what we have reveals how we see God. What we do with what we have reveals how we see God. So if if I think that God is tyrannical, that he's mean and oppressive, and I'm scared of him, fear will lead me to do certain things with this life. I'll just be fearful. But if I believe that God is gracious and loving and, and he just wants me to take risk. Next week we're talking about risk. We're beginning a new series next week. Ten words that can change your life. And we're going to kick it off with the word risk. I really think that God is just tired of people burying their bag of gold and taking no risk. Here's what I really, really think. If the guy with one bag of gold had come back and said, I invested it and I lost it, I believe the master would have said, well done. Risking and losing is better than burying it in the ground. But that's not what happens. The man with uh, one bag of gold came and he said, Master, I I knew you were a hard man. See, it's not really my fault, Master, because you're kind of... You're tough. You're difficult. You're hard to deal with. You're a hard man. And, you know, you harvest where you haven't sown and you gather where you haven't planted seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your gold in the ground and here is what belongs to you. And our view of God affects what we do with our lives. And if you have the wrong view, it leads to fear. I was afraid of you. Now, those other guys, they weren't afraid, were they? Were they, not, they I mean, can you, did you get the sense they were like, look, I had five, and now I have five more, and I'm super excited. When you do something great, don't you want to tell somebody? That's why Facebook is, a, we, God invented Facebook, so uh, we can tell people about stuff, you know? Do you ever see it? Well, you do. there are some people that whine on Facebook, but most of the time it's like, I hit a home run, you know, or my, my grandson hit a home run, or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's always it's really, really good stuff. We, we did good things. We want to tell people about them. And on the rare occasion, I, I, I kill it on a sermon. And that really happens. But the other day, I had a good sermon. And we went home, and I said, Elise, because I'm fishing for a compliment, right? I need a compliment. Elise, what did you like best? This is my daughter. Uh, what did you like best about the sermon? Oh, Daddy, I love that, that illustration you gave about Starbucks. And I thought, that was a great illustration. I mean, that was brilliant. That was from God to me to you. I mean, that's how good it was. 
God was whispering in my ear, this is a great illustration. I, I knew it was great. And Elise affirmed me it was a great illustration. And, and I'm, I mean, the head, the head's puffing. And, and then I said, well, what was the point? I don't know. I don't know what the point was. But it was a great illustration. It's like, you should listen. You know, you should listen a little. Just, just try listening. When we live a life well, then we're not intimidated by this idea of, hey, someday I get to stand before the judge. When we live our life well, when we do the best we can with what we've been given, when we play the hand that's dealt us, here's what, what I noticed about the story. The guy who had two bags of gold, he made two bags of gold, he wasn't expected to make five bags of gold. The master didn't say, well, you didn't make five bags of gold like the other guy. There's no comparison. The master doesn't say, well, he did better than you. He never says it. Even about the guy who only buries his bag, he doesn't say, you're not as good as the others. I give an accounting to my life to God for me. I don't account to you or for you. Do you remember the story... Back in the Old Testament, David commits adultery with Bathsheba. And Psalm 51 is, is, is David's, he laments. Because he not only commits adultery, but then he has Bathsheba's wife put in a position in war in battle that he's killed. He basically calls a hit on a guy. So he's, he's an adulterer and a murderer. It's not a good look. And yet God calls him a man after his own heart, which is amazing to me. But in Psalm 51, he, he says this, and it always kind of bothered me a little bit. Against you and you only have I sinned. It's like, well, that's not true. Because you sinned against Bathsheba and you sinned against her husband and you sinned against the nation of Israel. But ultimately, David stands for himself before the judge by himself. And the people he hurt, he hurt lots of people. They were all precious souls that belonged to God. When he said against you and you only, he's kind of right. It is against God only. So the guy comes in and he said, "You're hard. You're hard, dude. And you plant where you don't. You know, plant. You you plant where you're not supposed to. And you harvest where you're not supposed to. And it's kind of your fault. But I hid my stuff. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. A right view of God will lead to faith. A wrong view of God will lead to fear." But the master replies to the guy, you wicked, lazy servant. And we, we don't like that word wicked very much. I mean, Miriam and I were talking about this. She said, was he really wicked? And, and you could translate it worthless. I mean, there's other ways. When you don't live up to what God wants you to do, there's a certain level of, I'm basically saying to God, I don't care what you want. I'm going to do what I want to do. There's a level of wickedness to that. Let's end. Here we go. You either use it or you lose it. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere. So take the bag of gold, the master says, from him, and give it to the one who had ten bags. To those who, have, who use well what they're given, even more is given, and uh, they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken And everybody gets something, and everybody is accountable for what 
they've been given. Now, maybe you're trying to assess my five-bag person and my two-bag person. And we all know one-bag people. We, know, we probably know some half-a-bag people, right? I mean, in the South, half-bag people are the ones we say, bless their hearts. That's what we say. You know, he's so ugly when he goes in the bank, they turn the cameras off. Bless his heart. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we say. You know, bless his heart. She's not very bright. She thinks Johnny Cash is a pay toilet. Bless her heart. We say that kind of stuff, right? Bless her heart. That's good. That's gold. You can use it. Uh, I'll give it to you. Here's the deal. The question you've got to ask yourself today is, what am I going to do? What are we going to do with what we have? God has entrusted me with what he thinks I can manage. He's given it to me to do the very best I can. And someday, I stand before a judge to give an accounting because the key verse in this story after a long time, the master returned and called them to give an account. This is the key. It might be a long time, but sometime, someday, we give an accounting of what God has blessed us with. So I'm going to encourage you. When, when you live your life, when, when you make decisions, filter it through the, the idea, someday I have to give an accounting for this decision. It's not to bind you up or make you all nervous. It's just, okay, I'm making this decision. Is this a good decision? Would, would, would my heavenly father, would my judge, would he think this is a good decision? Because here's some stuff you do know. He wants us to be gracious to people. He wants us to be generous with people. He wants us to help people when we can. You know those are going to be decisions that he likes. Because he's told us he likes those. So, those are easy decisions. This is stuff. Sometimes we have to decide. Is this decision that I'm making, when I stand before the judge, is this going to be a good decision? Am I going to be able to defend this when I have to give an accounting for my life? See, we're responsible. God gives us stuff. He gives us talents. He gives us gifts. He gives us ability. It's all His. He gives us. He entrusts us. And we're responsible. Father, we thank you for... You're really awesome to, to give us those opportunities and to, to trust us that much. I'm not sure I trust me that much. But you trust me that much. And I thank you for that. And I pray that as we go this week and maybe past beyond this week as we think about our lives thank you for reminding us that someday you're coming back and you're going to give we're going to have to give an accounting of our lives every one of us thank you for the reminder we pray that we would make decisions based on that that we could be proud that someday we would hear you say well done and you did you did good with what i gave you we pray this in jesus name Amen.